We meet today in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to verse 21, talking of the church as a mystery. I would like to introduce today's topic by quoting a note from the Word in Life Study Bible concerning the subject of prayer, which is actually a subject that comes out of this study, looking at Paul's prayer. The note from the Word in Life Study Bible says, Our troubles can easily cause us to lose the larger picture about life. Daily routines and pressures can create doubts about our significance. And because we abound in a world of time, it's easy to assume that difficulties such as sickness, conflict, loneliness, insecurity or fear will become a permanent state of affairs. The Ephesian believers lived with a lot of pressure. Their faith was born in a crucible of riots, courtroom conflict and economic change. Later, when Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesians, he encouraged them to develop and maintain God's perspective on their lives and faith. Looking back, he rehearsed what God had done for them before they were even born. That is what he talks about in Ephesians 1 verse 3 to verse 8. Looking forward, he listed the future benefits that their faith would bring. Chapter 1 verse 9 to verse 14. In the meantime, he prayed that they would be aware of and comprehend these realities and experience God's power. Chapter 1 verse 15 to verse 23. He also prayed that their identity would be rooted in eternal truths and in God's present power in them. Chapter 3 verse 14 to verse 21. What doubts and stresses have caused you to lose perspective? Ephesians suggests that you relax and join Paul in prayer. Take a look at the big picture of God's work on your behalf. It began long before you arrived and long before your first steps in Christ. It will continue long after you pass from this life. Seeing things in this way, can lend perspective to the harsh realities that may dominate your life right now. End of quote. What a wonderful way just to put the whole picture into perspective. We need to pray and join Paul in his prayer. Now let us therefore consider Paul's prayer for the power and the knowledge. For this reason I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 3 verse 14. What was the reason here that Paul talks about? It was because of his deep interest in the Ephesian believers. He wanted them to enter into the great truths of this dispensation, of this new economy in which we live. And having gone there, they would experience all the riches of God's grace in Christ Jesus. So that was the background. That is why he inserted the parenthesis between verse 1 and verse 14. 
the reason he talked of that mystery was so that they may experience the riches of God's grace in Christ. We have already called our attention to the fact that Paul was a man of prayer. This is the second great prayer of Paul in this epistle, as he viewed the church as the poem of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit, the mystery of the ages. He went to God in prayer that these great truths might become realities in the lives of the believers. The believers needed to take a perspective from God and not even be dissuaded or taken away from their faith by the troubles and the persecutions they may meet. Look at the situation from God's point of view. In this verse, we have another characteristic of the prayers of Paul. It reveals his posture even in prayer. He says, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't want to insist that we should get down on our knees in our public prayer meetings today. However, I rather wish that we actually do that. He bowed down. He prayed when he was on his knees. And whenever I find that time I am praying by myself or if it is not calling attention to myself, I bow down and pray. It is a wonderful posture. In the formality and the ritual of our new churches with, with plush seats and carpeted floors, we are actually missing something in our relationship to the Lord. We need to learn to bow down. My feeling is that there ought to be more easy familiarity with each other in our churches, but more worship and reverence for God, especially at the time of prayer, where all of God's people can just bow down and pray. As creatures, we ought to assume our proper place before our Creator and go down on all four before Him. Paul prayed that way. And I feel that was the proper posture. It is amazing how such a posture actually helps a person to pray. And I think it is something that is good for men. However, I don't want to insist and place it as a rule. I merely call your attention to this. This is the way Paul did it. And I think it is a very good example for us today. Aren't we told that our Lord Jesus went into the garden of Gethsemane and he fell on his face? I think it would be proper for us if we would get down on our faces before God. It's a good posture. It helps us to pray, facing God, taking the appropriate position before our Creator. There is another point I, I think is rather important to note also here. We have here that Paul prayed to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You will also notice that back in chapter 1, verse 17, he prayed to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we find that this was his formula, and I think it is a rather tight formula to address all prayers to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to the Lord Jesus praying, John 16, verse 23. And in that day, you will ask me 
nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. You see, the disciples had been with our Lord for three years. I think they were like a group of little children in many ways. I think it was just give me, give me, give me, give me a great deal all the time. When our Lord told them that, that he would be leaving them. After that, they would not ask Jesus for anything. They were to direct their request to the Father. But how? In the name of Jesus. What does Jesus mean by that? He means simply that if you and I were to pray to the Lord Jesus Christ directly, we would rob ourselves of an intercessor. Am I splitting hairs? Certainly not, my friend. Jesus Christ is our great intercessor. To pray in Jesus' name means to go to God the Father with a prayer that the Lord Jesus himself can lift up to the Father for you and me. Have you also noticed that Paul's prayers are very brief? Both prayers here in Ephesians and his prayer in Philippians are actually brief. In fact, all the prayers of Scripture are quite brief. The Lord Jesus said that we are not to use vain repetitions as the heathens do. They think that they will be heard for their much speaking. Moses' great prayer for Israel is recorded in only three verses. Elijah on top of Mount Carmel, as he stood there alone for God against the prophets of Baal, he prayed a great prayer, which is only one verse long. Nehemiah's great prayer is recorded in only seven verses. The prayer of our Lord Jesus in John 17 takes only three minutes to read. But the briefest prayer is that of Simon Peter. In Matthew 14 verse 30, Lord, save me. <laughs> that was all he said. He cried out this prayer when he was beginning to sink beneath the waves of the Sea of Galilee. Now, some people will think that that was not even a prayer because it was so short. My friend, I want to tell you that was a prayer and it was answered immediately. If Simon Peter had prayed like some of us preachers today who pray on a Sunday morning and they come before God with, Lord, thou art omnipotent, you who are omniscient, you who are omnipresent. Oh, I tell you, if Peter had prayed like that, he would have been 20 feet under water before he got to his request. For Peter, he got down to business. He told the Lord exactly what he needed. It was a short prayer, and prayer should be brief and to the point, my friend. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 15, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. God has a wonderful family, my friend, and many people think that it is only me and mine, we four and no more, but it's little wider than that, my friend. Some people feel that their little clique in the church is the only group that the Lord is listening to. You are mistaken. Some people think that their local church constitutes the saints. Then there are others who think that their denomination is the whole family of God. That is a mistaken idea. There are some who think 
it is just the church that is those saved from the day of Pentecost to the rapture. Oh, let me correct you. God saved people long before the church came into existence. And he is going to be saving people after the church leaves. Also, God has other members of his family. The angels belong to his family. He has created intelligences which the apostle John saw and said cannot be numbered. All of these are the family of God. Here is Ephesians 3, verse 16 to verse 19. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now I want you to notice something here. As Paul prays, he prays according to the riches of his glory, not out of the riches of his glory. There are four definite petitions here which Paul makes on behalf of the Ephesian believers. The first petition is the petition that the believers might be strengthened with mighty power by the Spirit in the inner man. You see, the spiritual nature of the believer needs prayer as well as does the physical. How often the spiritual is neglected while all attention is given to the physical side. Paul prays for the inner man because he realizes that the outward man is passing away. Power is needed to live the Christian life, to grow in grace, and to develop into full maturity, which is the work of the Holy Spirit. We tend to pray a lot for the outward man. It is a marvelous way to pray, praying for the physical needs of people. Paul did, and he prayed for himself. Actually, three times he asked God to remove the thorn in his flesh. It is wonderful to know that God does hear and he does answer prayer. But we need to remember that the spiritual nature of the believer needs prayer as well as the physical. Only the Holy Spirit can supply power, living and growth for the full maturity of the believer. In the second petition, Paul prays that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Now this is to think the Lord's thoughts after him. You in me and I in you. Paul could exclaim, Christ lives in me. Galatians 2 verse 20. In Christ is the high word of this epistle to the Ephesians. The wonderful counterpart of it is that Christ is in us. Christ in us or in Christ. All these words are there. In Christ, that is our position. Christ in us, that is our possession. That is the practical side of it. Second Corinthians 13 verse 5. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. 
You see, Christ has not come as a temporary visitor. No, 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 no. He has come as a permanent tenant by means of the Holy Spirit to live in our lives. He is in us. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him be as much fruit for without me you can do nothing. You see, a child of God can do nothing and here nothing means nothing. The third petition is actually a request that the believers may know the dimensions of the knowledge surpassing love of Christ. He prays that they may be rooted and grounded in love. Now, the word rooted refers to botany, to life. Grounded refers to architecture, to stability. Now, this is for all the saints. The saints must have life. The saints must be stable. They must be rooted and they must be grounded. Isn't that amazing? You see, Paul wants them to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. The vast expanse of the love of Christ is the love of God himself. From this launching pad, we can begin to measure that which is immeasurable and to know that which passes knowledge. This is one of the many doxologies of the believer's life. And so we are even told of the dimensions there. The breath, you see, the arms of Christ reach around the world. I am the door. By me, any man enter in, he shall be saved. John 10 verse 9. He who comes to me, I will in no way cast out. John 6 verse 37. Thus the breath, his arms are stretched out to reach the world and bring them in. The length, the length of it begins with the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And it proceeds into the endless ages of eternity. That's how long his love is. Then there is the depth. And the depth goes all the way to Christ's death on the cross. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Even death on the cross that is the depth of his love the height the height reaches to the throne of god philippians 2 verse 6 who being in the form of god did not consider it robbery to be equal with god only the holy spirit can lead a believer into this vast experience of the love of christ since it is infinite it is beyond human comprehension the fourth petition that paul makes is a final outburst of an all-consuming fervor that believers might be filled up to the fullness of God. Christ was thus filled. In proportion to our comprehension of the love of Christ, we shall be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is both a doxology and a benediction which concludes the prayer of Paul. 
It also concludes the first main division of the epistle, which talks about really the doctrine of the church. This is a mighty outburst of prayer, which any comment would only tarnish. We are not able to so much as to touch the helm of the garment of the spiritual gifts that God has prepared to give to his own children. How wonderful this is. He wants to give us super abundantly, beyond what we can think, ask, or imagine, how good he is. And how small we are, we cannot even contain all the blessings. Those are the blessings we have in Christ, my friend. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send an email to info at twrafrica.org. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me repeat that email address for you. Info at twrafrica.org.